0: Listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Everyone else, take your Bible, open up with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We have been here in this book for 10 weeks now. We have worked through the emptiness of life. We have even talked about loneliness. We've talked about so many things, the reality of emptiness in life under the sun. But today's message is like opening a window on a beautiful fall day. The hot, sticky summer is over, and you can finally just turn off the AC And let the fresh air just flow into the house. And don't get me wrong, I've loved Ecclesiastes. I know, I know all of us who've been in this series going through this book have have enjoyed it. Many of us, at least, have told me that you have. No one's said they haven't, at least. Uh, But it's been a little like walking in and out of the house in the summer, right? You know, you step out, you go into the heat. And uh, it's hot, sticky, you sweat profusely. Maybe you jump in the pool, maybe not. You come back in, you get the AC. There's some wisdom. Good. Okay, this feels better. Just in and out, back and forth. We've, we've gone over a lot of different things as Solomon has been contrasting wisdom and foolishness. And there is a hope for something beyond the sun. But it's like, it's been a, it's been a lot of back and forth between the hot stickiness And the air conditioning. But nothing can beat just turning off the air, opening up the windows, and feeling that 76-degree cool breeze blow in. And that's chapter 11 that you get to hear today of Ecclesiastes. Throughout this series, Solomon has been hinting and pointing us ahead to the capstone that is unfolding in chapters 11 and 12. And the way that I have described it a handful of times throughout this series is this, the things that you think will make you happy will leave you empty, but those same things are given by God, and he wants you to find joy through them. So this has been a reoccurring theme, and if you're still doubting that, Solomon, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit, he really means it. And he is really pounding that nail. He's still pounding that nail today. And as we open up this window all the way, you're going to hear once again how you need to remove vexation from your life and you need to enjoy the sun. That's where we're going with this. I'll I'll tell you up front. I'm calling this message today, Casting Your Bread Upon the Waters. You'll see why in a second. But as cautionary as last week's message was, and it was pretty dark, we really focused on the catalog of foolishness. Solomon's main take was be awake, be sensible. Now, today from chapter 11, now that we've covered that, it's fear God, don't fear anything else, and be bold. Go for it. So, would you please follow along with me as I read chapter 11? As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun." our vanity. All right, look back with me at verse 1. We're going to start from the top and we're going to work through this. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. What a curious statement. Step back and think about that for a minute. Uh, this, is, this is now coming on the heels of chapter 10, verse 18, where Solomon officially turned the page and he said, bread is made for feasting he started talking in the very end there about how fools, in the end, they miss out. Now he's saying to cast your bread out into the water, and after many days you will find it again. Now logically, does that make any sense at all? No. Uh, have, have you ever thrown bread into the water? I have a few times. I don't know how I remember this, but as a kid, I was feeding ducks on more than one occasion. I remember, I remember this. And uh, maybe you've done that. Anyone, anyone ever feed ducks and just throw some bread into the water? Yeah. Just throwing that bread out there. And without fail, the couple times I remember doing this, I remember there was always like an aggressive, intense duck who was faster than the other ducks, swooping in, like snatching the bread. And there was always that weak, kind of like sad duck that you felt bad for that, that really wanted the bread, but the big, mean ducks always took the bread from him, right? And it was, I would like make it my mission to like try to juke out the, ma- the bad duck and... Get it over to the to the weak duck, but okay, there's that. You're not getting that bread back, or you could just throw bread in the water yourself and with no ducks around at all. What's going to happen to the bread? It's going to immediately like get saturated with water and just like sink to the bottom. Are you ever going to see that bread again? No. So Solomon, <laughs> what does this mean? What are you talking about? You will find it after many days. Well, we just read the entire chapter, and the rest of the verses build off of this. This is obviously a hyperbolic statement. He's being metaphorical here. So we have to take the context as a whole to determine what does he mean by cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Well, if you, if you really pray about it, look at it, think about it for a little while, he can really only mean one thing here. What he's saying is, you need to go for it, put yourself out there, and trust that God will make something happen. Even, even something, you know, you don't even know where it's going to go, what's going to come from this, you know, how could this possibly even turn out or work out? We, we know that life is a vapor as Christians, we're told that. In Ephesians 5, Paul tells the church to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So we know we only have one life to live and you know your life. We just sang about it this morning. Our life is, if you're a Christian today, if you know Jesus as your savior, your life is his. You are are created to bring him glory, to share his love and his truth and his justice, his mercy with your life. And what Solomon is now saying, in Ecclesiastes 11 is, just cast your bread out into the water. Go for it. Trust him. Even if you don't know what's going to happen, believe that he will make something out of nothing. So that's the angle I want you to focus on today. And you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, If you need to go through these verses again, we're going to see that each and every one of these verses, the rest of this chapter, all builds off this exact theme. And I'll go ahead and set this up for you right now. Start, Start thinking through it. Are there conversations that you have put off? Are you taking every opportunity you can at school? Are you looking for ways that you can make a difference at work? Or are you just being safe, being conservative, holding back, not really trusting God and being bold and casting your bread out onto the water? Are you seizing the opportunities that you have every single day with your own children? It's been said many times, many different ways, but you will never see a return from an investment if you don't first make the investment, right? You only get out of life, what you put into it. I mean, we we understand this principle. There are risks, risks in anything. But it is better to fail in launching out than in simply hanging back in your safety zone. That's going to get very boring. And the only thing that Solomon could really be saying here is to go for it and do something. And for all of you like me who've been working through this entire book all 10 chapters, we've, gone, we've We've covered a lot of different things, a lot of wisdom, we've seen a lot of foolishness as well. But it's been that side of life where Solomon has adre- addressed a lot of the stuff that we don't even want to talk about, especially think about in church. And it's it been that book for, you know, the emo kid in many ways. But now we're finally opening up the window and we're here at the point where you can just say yes. And this is, this is... This is like my favorite chapter of the book so far. Like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's get out there and make something happen because even if I don't know where God's going to take it, he will return it after many days. So now that we've established where Solomon is going with this chapter, let's look at the specifics. He's divulging a lot of wisdom today. And here is the first point from verse 2. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Number one is, first point today, diversify your life. In verse six, he says something very similar. Look at that one. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So he's going beyond investment advice. Right here. And, I mean, we could talk about investments for a second, right? Not many people know what to do in an economy like we're in right now. I'm listening to my guys. I mean, Patrick Bet, David told me, just diversify. Just, just try to get a little bit in everything. And, uh, okay, that's, that's good. There's times in life where you know I need to go all in on something. There's times when you really need to diversify. But Solomon is taking this idea of asset allocation, and he's extending it, to how you live your life. Don't just make your life all about one thing. If you just live for your job, you may love it. You may be really good at it. But if that's all you're really living for, what's going on with your family? What's going on with, uh, you know, a hobby to keep you fresh and to keep you alive? What has Solomon taught us over and over again in this book? Well, if that's all you have under the sun, that will leave you empty. You, you will feel empty in the end. And why is that? This is a review for us all. We've been here for 10 weeks, right? Well, it's because you're made for something more. Go all the way back to chapter three. God has put eternity into your heart and you are made in God's image. So you'll never be satisfied with one physical thing. You're more complicated than that. Also, common sense tells us that if you get stuck with one thing, you grow stale, even if it's a good thing. I remember when we found out, Julie and I found out that we were having a girl. This is our third child. We're having a girl. And I was having a few conversations with people and my mom and my aunt basically said the same thing to me. Oh, this is so exciting. We're so glad you're having a girl. I know we are too. Like, this is great. And uh, in both both of them started going on and on in this conversation with, you know, it's going to really balance you out. Like, you know, having boys is great, but having a girl, they're just, they're just bring another side to you. It'll draw that out of you. I'm like, OK, thanks, Mom. That's that's good to hear. And and she kept going on. like. Uh, you know, even when you're older, it's really nice for an older man to have a younger girl who's like, he knows the styles and, and she can keep you like looking fresh. And I'm like, mom, are you implying something here? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, but but it's, it's great to have that variety, right? Like you want, you need that. You, you enjoy those kind of things. It's always a good thing to learn something new, to grow and stretch yourself, you don't ever want to put all your eggs in one basket because you never know what disaster will happen. That car could get totaled, and it's not even your fault. And that's, as verse 6 says, you, don't, you just don't know what's going to come, how it's going to all turn out. And this is, this is true in everything in life. I, I was thinking about this even in, in one of my hobbies, okay? Like, I love to collect sports cards, I did it as a kid. I stopped doing it for a long time. And then Paxton got us back into it. We collect soccer cards now. And I think back to when I was a kid, I was so into collecting Kendall Gill. Anybody remember that name? Most of you probably don't. Okay, we have one. Good. Dan, me and Dan are the the same. Yeah, Uh, nobody remembers him. He played for the University of Illinois. He was on the Charlotte Hornets. And for like a few years there, everybody's like, "Ooh, this guy could be really good. He 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 had a decent career, but he never even made an All-Star team. He flirted with the All-Star team. He was my favorite player for a while. And looking back at it, I uh, I would trade Michael Jordan's to get Kendall Gill cards. You know what was I doing? Like, and I I put all of my collection in this one guy. Um, if I would have diversified that a little bit, maybe got a little Gary Payton or you know someone else, I would I would have I would have better cards, right? I would be more valuable. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to teach my boys that no let's not go all in on this one player. You never know who's going to turn out to be great. This is just the way life works. But Solomon right here is actually giving you wise advice for all of your life. Okay, like let's be, go beyond the silly illustrations and and actually think about what are you pouring your time your your energy in into. Is it just one or two big things? Or are you actually spreading that out? I hope you are. You get the point, it's an important principle in life. Wise people don't bank everything on one person, let alone one thing. And people are not your only hope. We have the God-man, Jesus Christ, who we've been worshiping and singing to all day. So, stay open to learning new platforms, try new things. And get creative with how to give out the gospel. Let's let's just take this one more more place. Think about this principle in in, in light of the church, right? We are the church. We are God's people. And as a church, we have a mission to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And we want to shine the light of Jesus Christ and give the gospel out to as many people as possible. But... If the church never diversifies, if we never get creative and think of new ways to do that, we grow stale, right? I mean, when Sunday school was first started in the early 1800s, it was amazing. It was, it was powerful. It made a huge impact in our country because at the time there were all these orphanages filled with, with kids who in the school system wasn't like it would be like 50 years later. It wasn't as organized and put together. So you had all these kids who didn't really have good education, couldn't read or write. So what did the, the church do? It stepped in and it created Sunday School where it would teach kids how to read and write by using the Bible. Wow, how creative. What a great open door opportunity. Look what it did. Now if that's the only thing you're doing 200 years later when there's not the same need, What are you doing, right? So the church has to think this way and get creative in this sense. We need to diversify. We need to think of new ways that we can be creative in giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's it's the same old wine in new wineskins. Here's the second aspect of casting your bread upon the waters. It's found in verse 3. Don't wait around for the ideal conditions. Verses 3 and 4. Look at them again with me. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if the tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. I really can't top Solomon's illustration here in this this chapter. You know that person who's just glued to watching the Weather Channel? Oh man, we got this event coming up on Friday night, but wow. Wow. Might rain. Look at, ooh, 35% chance of rain. Yep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. You think about it, you delay, like, I don't think we can do that, like, the weather. Ah, and before you know it, you cancel the event. You don't do it. Isn't that just the worst? Yeah. It's the worst when, like, my kids have a soccer game, and they're like, oh, it's going to rain. We canceled it. And then the rain comes and blows through in 10, 15 minutes. And it's like, oh, the game's supposed to be starting in 30 minutes, and it's bright and sunny out. But they canceled it because it was going to rain. Yeah, we, we, you, you, you get that, right? Like, how, how bad of a f- taste that puts in your mouth. We don't need to wait and plan and overanalyze every single scenario that could happen. I mean, there is a place for that, of course. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying, like, charge ahead into the brick wall without you know no there is of course a place for that but solomon's point here is you're never going to have the perfect condition for anything it's not going to happen so don't wait for that and i'm probably sounding like a really old millennial today with all of these illustrations but when i was a kid we played in the rain it didn't matter if the field got a little messy afterwards like that's what it was there for the field wasn't there to look pristine like the field was meant to to play on right and and again apply this to your life are you ever going to have everything set in stone ready to go maybe in this affluent world that we live in, in this country, maybe once in a blue moon you'll get everything to line up exactly the way you planned it to. That could happen on a very rare occasion. But 99% of the time, things are going to happen, and you're not prepared for them anyway, right? As a Christian who's thinking about the gospel, we're thinking about the mission that God has given us. We want to affect change in our culture, in our society. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to have what we have. You're never going to have the perfect conditions to do everything you need to do. But you still need to step up and go for it and cast your bread upon the waters. You know, really, the reason why a lot of people don't do what they know they probably should do. And they can make a lot of excuses. They can make it sound really good. Oh, we just need to be wise. We need to do this. We need to get this lined up first. But really, if you strip it all back, the reason why you don't go for it is because of fear. It's, it's more often than not, that's the real reason. Fear of the unknown. I don't know if this is going to be a failure. I don't know if I can handle this. It's out of my control. It's fear of change. It's fear of something that, that, I, that I don't understand fully. And only if you just had a little bit more time. I could, I could work it out a little bit better. But here's the truth. At the end of the day, you only live once. And in the words of C.T. Studd, who we've talked about, the great missionary, we've talked about him before in the past. But he said, only one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last. I mean when Julie and I found out that we were pregnant with Beckham I was working full time at Starbucks and full time at the church she was working at an insurance agency and she was nannying and we still didn't really have enough money to like pay our rent and like live our lifestyle out there in Colorado uh, she told me this is this is like right after our first anniversary I'm pregnant And I still remember, I hate to say this, but like my first response was, oh, really? What? Are you joking? And I immediately was filled with fear. I was like, I literally just went out to the driving range and spent money that we didn't have and just hit a bucket of balls into the void just thinking about like what is going to happen. I can't do this. This is not supposed to happen yet. I was afraid. But looking back at it now, God was in control, right? Like, if we didn't have that... If we didn't have our first son when we did, I mean, we wouldn't have four kids right now. Dawson wouldn't even be in our lives. Like, he worked it all out. I didn't even really cast my burden of the water. He cast it in there for me. <laughs> you know, we did not plan that pregnancy. But, but you can trust God. You don't have to wait for the ideal conditions because he knows more than you know. If you're walking with Jesus Christ... What do you have to fear? The truth of the matter is you don't know what's next. And and you will never know how it's really going to all work out. But you can't let all the information that you don't know determine your decisions. You have to trust God. You have to have confidence that he knows you better than you know yourself. And that he has a plan for you that is actually beyond your wildest imaginations. Just, Just think about that. There's so many things that you've done with your life right now that you never imagined you will do, right? Think think beyond that. There's more to come. There's more things that God wants to do through you that you have no idea. You're not dreaming it up. But he knows more than you know. And he has a plan for you. So you can't just wait for the ideal conditions. You have to go for it. We don't live in fear. We cast our bread upon the waters. Point three fits right in with this, though. Look at verse five. It's don't pretend to know everything. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. When you cast your bread out into the water, you really don't know how it's going to all come together and how it will make sense. But you don't have to know because you don't need to know everything. If we knew everything, if we understand all the ins and outs of all the intricacies of everything that God is doing in our lives, do you realize our heads would just explode, (laughs) right? There's no way. There's no way we can grasp all the stuff that God is doing. And I know a lot of you in here are dealing with really big things. Maybe it's something that you feel like this is too much for me. And it very well be something that's too much for you in and of yourself without your God taking that burden away from you. But you have to know that you aren't alone you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've confessed your sin and you have repented of living your life for yourself and now you have turned to Jesus Christ, accepted his sacrifice on the cross and by grace through faith accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, now you have the Holy Spirit alive in you, you are walking with Jesus Christ and you're not alone. You're not doing it alone. So remember that. Even though it feels really heavy, it feels like too much. Stop making it just about you. Talk with Christ about it. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to bear it, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. So will you have things in life that are really heavy and overbearing and crushing you? Yes. But will God ever give you something that you cannot handle without him? Of course not. He will be there for you. So you don't have to worry about what's out of your control. God knows what it is and God is in control of it. Isaiah tells us that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He knows it all. He knows what his promises are to you. And he he has promised that he is going to work all things together for good to those who know God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And it may not feel good in the moment. We've seen that in Ecclesiastes. We've had plenty of airtime on that. We've covered that. And it very well might not feel good at all, period. It didn't feel good for Joseph when his brothers sold him into slavery. And then it really didn't feel good for Joseph when he resisted temptation and he got away from Potiphar's wife and she was spurned and bitter and angry, so she lied about him and got him thrown into jail. That, was, that would be a rough one. But when his brothers came back, all those years later, almost as if it was the bread just appearing out of the water, are you kidding me? Here they are. These guys are back in my life. And and, and you can read in Genesis that whole story of how that all worked out. Do you remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And, and, and the story of Joseph is an incredible, incredible story of how God took terrible, wicked things that happened and he worked through those. And he over, God overcame all of those things to actually work out an amazing thing with his people through the life of Joseph. So we don't know what's going on half the time. But wise people don't let that, let that hold them back. Wisdom says, I don't know, and it's fine because I know God, and I trust him. And what he says is true, and he's got my back. I'm sure of it. So I'm going to trust his revealed truth, his will from God's word, his, his, his love story to me. I'm going to trust what he says about me is true more than what that other person says. I'm going to trust what he says in his word More than what my feelings are telling me right now. Not what that other person is saying. They're wrong. And what God says is true. Which leads us to our final point this morning, point four. Enjoy the good in the midst of the bad. The rest of this chapter is all about removing vexation and enjoying the sun. Enjoy life. Even on a cold day when the shadows are getting longer, find that last spot of sunshine that just where the sun just peaks over that tree. There's a little spot over here. I can put my chair right there and I can enjoy this little bit of sunshine. Read these last few verses with me one more time. Verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So I remember a time in my life when I was 20 years old and I I was actually a chaplain. Um, It's kind of hard to explain this. Maybe I shouldn't even explain this, but like I went to a Christian liberal arts university and I was in Pi Gamma Delta, but it wasn't what you're thinking, okay? It wasn't a fraternity, so to speak. It was a Christian society. And... I was nominated to preach to 90 to 100 other guys my age every Friday, okay? And I'm a sophomore. I'm 20 years old. And I see all these guys that are supposed to be, you know, they say they're Christians, but not all of them are living like Christians. So I got Ecclesiastes 9 uh, or Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 out. I remember this distinctly. And I preached a sermon on verses 9 and 10. I didn't really cover the context of Ecclesiastes. I just went right for the jugular, okay? We're going for these verses right here. And I cringe a little at at saying this and thinking about this, but this is in a time in my life where I wasn't as trained on understanding the context, okay? And I was gung-ho. And so I presented this passage right here in a very sarcastic way. Solomon's being sarcastic here, okay? Uh, hey guys, listen up. Straighten up. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walking the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. What does that sound like, guys? What does the Bible say about your heart? Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay. So, you do that, and guess what? But for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. I mean, I didn't say it that way, but, I mean, that was pretty much the tone of the message, all right? It it, it was very, woo, come down strong. Like, so, and here's the thing. Uh, I'm looking at this now, and I say, you know what? I don't think that was the tone that Solomon had. We've been in this entire book, right? We've we've worked through every single verse in this book. He's not all of a sudden just going to change his tone completely and be ultra sarcastic here. This actually fits in with everything else he's been saying all along. Now, <clears throat> I remember looking at the faces of those guys, and some of those guys, honestly, needed to hear what I was saying, even though what I was saying wasn't a super accurate uh Uh, representation of what Solomon was saying there was still some truth in it I remember like seeing their faces I think God used it um even though I look back on it like I would have never used that verse to say that you know I would I would have never used this passage and I say that to let you know well two things really like God can use even your mistakes (laughs) even saying things that you didn't really even say it the right way you didn't even say it perfect uh, far from perfect right God can still use that. I don't think any of those guys are remembering those, you know, that, but hopefully God used that in their life. But secondly, I mean, just, just step back and think about it. You, you put yourself out there, you say what you need to say, um, and God will use it. And context is everything. Uh, it is very important to understand the context. I mean, we are in the cast your bread upon the waters chapter. And that's the second thing I want you to see. This is culminating about, you know, this this entire book is culminating on this truth. You're not going to find fulfillment in all these things that you think will make you happy. But God still wants you to find enjoyment in those things. And when Solomon says all is vanity, he's not being a doom and gloom pessimist. He's saying this in a realistic sense. He's just reminding us that everything is transient. You know, of the, the things of your youth, the looks, the athleticism, the diets, the sleeping patterns, as great as those things are, in and of themselves, they are empty. They will not fulfill you. Youth under the sun in this present life is not eternal. And he's, he's showing that. Verse 8 really seals the setting of verse 9. Solomon is clearly saying, rejoice in all the years of your life. Never forget that darkness, the days of darkness will be many. Of course, you're going to have a lot of those valleys. We've covered them thoroughly throughout Ecclesiastes. It's a repeated theme. But this is wisdom. Except that you're going to go through that don't ignore that. Don't try to wish it away. Don't, don't try to pretend that you can have a life without it. No, life is hard. People can be hard. There's a lot of valleys to navigate. Nothing is up at all times. But in the midst of all the bad, enjoy the good. Enjoy the good. That's what he's saying. And yes, God is going to bring an enjoy- Yes, you're going to have to answer to God for what you do. But God wants you to enjoy your life. Go for it and enjoy it. Make the best out of the, even a bad situation. I was at uh, the Chick Fil A drive thru this week, and you know, it was one of those times where there shouldn't be a lot of cars. So I'm like, I think I can squeeze this in. I think I can slide in here, you know, in 10 minutes and get in and out. Because I mean, who would go to Chick Fil A at you know 11:10, right? Like nobody's going there then. Oh, how how wrong I was. <laughs> Like, so, so you have a big, long line, and I put my order in. This is great. Um, now it's the merge time, right? The car, you have three lanes merging into one on in that Chick-fil-A drive through here in Spartanburg. And someone, I was clearly in the pole position to have this. I was, it was my turn. But this guy was in probably more of a hurry than I was, and he just had to nose himself right in. I'm like, okay, sure, man. You really want this that bad. You can get your, your sandwich first. Fine. Um, well... They walked mine out to the car anyway before him. And so I have mine. I'm like, oh, well, cool. I'll start eating. This guy, I mean, he probably ordered, you know, you know those people, right? You know, they, they go to the drive-through to order like 27 value, value meals uh, instead of calling ahead. So he's sitting there at the window. I ate my entire, my entire sandwich was gone. And I'm just still sitting there like, well, I would be there by now. <laughs> but he's still waiting at the window. They finally had him pull out. And then I pull out. I'm like pulling out into, the, into Highway 29, trying to take a sip of water. They didn't even put any water in my cup. It was just a cup full of ice. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to be late now. And I have a really dry mouth. And I mean, this is pretty trivial, right? I mean, I know this is not really that big of a deal. It's really not. But I was just sitting here thinking, you know what? This, I, I thought of Ecclesiastes 11. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to make the, like, I still got to enjoy life. I may be late. I may have a dry mouth. But you know what's really good is Chick-fil-A ice. (laughs) The Chick-fil-A ice is awesome. And I I didn't even have to drink the water first. I can just go straight to chomping the ice. Even if the ice is, it's bad for my teeth, I'm still going to do it anyway. And I'm just going to, like, let it roll off. And that is a very trivial example. I know that, I, I mean, we're having fun here a little bit. But in the serious things in life that actually do matter, that are way heavier than that, like the stuff like Joseph and what he went through, the stuff that you're going through right now, you can still find good in it. Because you know that God has a plan for you. If you know Jesus Christ. And this is is a message that is geared towards people who are walking with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I would invite you to find him today, to accept him as your Savior, and then you can have what we're talking about. We want that desperately for you. But for all of us in here who are walking through the ups and downs, we're walking in and out of the air conditioning, the hot stickiness, okay, here we are, Get, get get a breath of fresh air, you need to find enjoyment even in the, the little things that God is doing. And they're there. If you look for them, they are there. Wait, maybe you need to get a new hobby. Maybe you need to find new friends. What do you need to do to remove vexation from your life? It just means walk away from the stress, okay? Okay. Sometimes you just have to walk away from that and find something else. Get in a fresh scene somewhere else. Whatever you do, you only have one life to live. So don't waste it by focusing on all the foolishness that's out there. Remove vexation and rejoice in the sun. Everything under the sun, what is that? For those of us who haven't been here this whole series... It's vanity. It's emptiness. But you weren't made to live solely under the sun. You were made for something more. Once again, even in the seemingly darkest, most confusing books of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, we still find the same chorus being chanted. Make the best of it. Find enjoyment. Eat, drink, and be merry. Rejoice in your youth. Yes, God is watching. Of course, you're going to give an answer to him for everything. But live boldly. Don't, don't settle. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't wait for the perfect conditions. Don't wait to have to until you, know, you have to understand all of the determining factors. No, just go for it and cast your bread upon the waters. Make something happen. Put yourself out there and watch God. Bring it back after many days. Would you stand up with me, church? This is one of those gung-ho, let's go, rah, 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 let's, let's make something happen sermons, right? I hope you're as encouraged as I am. But right before we sing here, I want you just to spend a little time with God and, and talk to him about what's going on in your heart right now. Is there something that you're afraid of? And you're not stepping out in boldness with the fear of the Lord and in the strength of the Holy Spirit, and you're not you're not going for it. Is there something that you're timid about right now? Talk to him about that. And of course, seek wise counsel. I'm not, I'm, and this isn't one of those passages where you can just go tell your husband, "Okay, see, we need to do this now," um, because of Ecclesiastes 11. I mean, maybe, but it's probably worth a, a good conversation, right? Seek some wise counsel. But please take this passage and what Solomon is saying, the wisdom that's here, take that into consideration. Maybe a few of us do need a little kick in the pants, right? Probably, probably. So, so spend some some time, talk to the Lord about that, and then we are gonna celebrate what he has done in our lives by singing to our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at You are loved.